party, friends. We're officially ringing in the new year by throwing a New Year's themed episode. So join us for our 2021 predictions, our wish lists, and stay tuned for the resolutions at the end. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Our feature flags are powered by LaunchDarkly. Check them out at LaunchDarkly.com. And we're hosted on Leno Cloud Servers. Get $100 in hosting credit at Leno.com slash Changelog. What's up, JS Party people? Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? Well, with Raygun Error and Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance issues across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun makes it easy to monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify issues across web and mobile apps, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers. This saves you time, this saves you money, and this saves your sanity. Head to Raygun.com to join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every single day. Again, Raygun.com to give them a try with a free 14-day trial. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live on Thursdays. Join us, why don't you, on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash changelog. Subscribe there and interact with us during the show at changelog.com slash community. Okay, let's do this. Hey, it's party time, y'all. So welcome to 2021. I'm super excited to be here. And today I'm joined by Cable, Chris, Divya, Amel, and Jared. How are y'all doing? Party time, y'all. Very excited. When I'm with friends, I like to have fun, 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 fun. This is already getting off to a great start. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Hi, everybody. I am sadly missing a kazoo, but I think Jared's going to fill in for me. See what I can do. So I think that we can kind of all agree that we were very much looking forward to this new year. 2020 kind of threw all of us through a loop. (laughs) Is that a programming joke? Through a loop? Um, An infinite loop. (laughs) An infinite loop. And I think today we should touch on just a few things that maybe happened last year, but let's focus the majority of the time looking at the new year. So does anyone want to kick us off talking about 2020 in review? It sucked. I would just like to point out how K-Ball failed all of his resolutions and predictions from last New Year's party. I forgot what they were even. Oh my gosh, this year sucked. I mean, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade if you had a good year, but holy smokes. I mean, all of my hobbits were habits. No, hobbies. You have hobbits. Wait, all so of my hobbits are dead. Was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> was, yep. Is there something we need to know? All of my hobbies are habits. <laughs> no, all of my hobbies were dead this year, right? Like I like to, what do I like to do for fun? I go traveling. Mm-hmm. I go out dancing. Mm-hmm. I go and do improv theater. Aww. Like all of these are in-person, connected, person-to-person events. And they are all dead right now. And that has sucked. Also, like, 
I mean, I've lost two family members this year, another one hanging on by her fingertips. Like, life is not good this year. But, yeah. or last year, last year, 2020, 2020 sucked. Yeah. But we're getting through it. And 2021 is going to be better, right? So let's go. It has to be. It has to. Be. I think, yeah, I think it will be better. You know, in the chat, Tom Secker said 2020 resolutions were off the table. And I, I would just like to uh, take a moment to appreciate that because, yeah, I think we can all agree that the definition of a resolution this last year kind of changed. It changed for me a lot, too. Like I went from having uh, really technical resolutions to just focusing on mental health. Yeah, I think everyone's just trying to get through it. I think it's just been a very humbling year, right? Like for everyone. It's like humbling in the sense that like, I think we've all learned new levels of like patience with the, with ourselves and our families and, you know, with, with our goals and ambitions, like you've had to kind of check yourself. Right. But yeah, I I mean, certainly what I would say a generation shaping year, right? Like, I feel like it's, Mm -hmm. this is like going to shape our lives and then like folks that are younger than us, older than us. I don't know. So everyone will remember what they were doing in 2020. So Agreed. I think we should let's take a look at a couple of the technical things that were delivered in 2020, because I I actually it's funny, I was putting together some of these things from ES 2020 and I realized I didn't know any of them existed. And that made me realize that I've been more focused on like surviving as a human than I have been on learning new programming skills. But I think it's worth like, let's just chat about a couple of these new things that we saw in ES 2020. Yeah, I don't know if y'all are are looking at these. Have any of you used some of these new features yet? Like optional chaining, global this, dynamic imports. I've started using optional, optional chaining, chaining is everywhere. Same. Yeah. It's awesome because now you don't have to check for undefined before you chain. You just optional chain and it's great. Yeah. No more like using lodash get, which is like my hack around having to use and, 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 and everywhere. I would like use like lodash's get mm. and use the default, uh, like the third parameter to like set your default option if you can't get it. But it's a nice way of like getting nested keys and objects safely. But yeah, optional chaining has definitely been everywhere, like all over the place. Mm-hmm. Has anyone here had occasion to use BigInt? Mm-mm. I haven't. Nope. Other than validating that it's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in case, just checking on it. Yeah, just checking on it. Like, hey, begin. How you doing? You uh-huh. there? Basically. Uh, the nullish coalescing operator was a cool one I didn't know about. So it's two question marks, and it returns the right hand operand when the left hand operand is either undefined or null. I think that's super cool. It's like a short form ternary almost. Yeah. Without the ternary, you just evaluate two things. I can't wait to see all the convoluted code that comes out of that one. So it's basically and and, but it only matches null and undefined rather than anything that's falsy. Is that correct? I think so, based on my copy and paste of the definition. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, the, you know, and then the last one that I had written down was promise dot all settled. So it returns a promise that resolves after all the given promises are fulfilled or rejected. So those were a few of the things that we saw come out in ES 2020 or that we didn't see come out in ES 2020 because we were too busy, you know, just being doing other things, being people. Eating ice cream, <laughs> Eating ice cream. Yeah, so, yeah. sulking in your bathroom and wondering why, you know. Yeah. Watching Ted Lasso. Sorry, kids. Well, you know, we're recording this episode in 2020. And in the event that something miraculous and joyful happens, 
you know, just, just, there's just a vaccine. Yeah. That's oh, pretty that. miraculous. Yeah. Right. That there's that. Right. Correct. But I meant to say like, like, you know, in the event that like something else miraculous and super joyful happens and you're wondering why we're all like grumpy and depressed, like just some context for y'all. Like, I don't think anyone <laughs> will ever wonder who lived through 2020 is going to wonder why we're grumpy and depressed about 2020. <laughs> Okay. It's not JS party. It's JS party. It's like a JS funeral. Oh no, Jared. Hold on. Let me oh. fix the mood here. It's time. <laughs> there you go. We're happy again. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So, um, speaking of things that are awesome, uh, let's talk about view three for a second. It happened. This was oh. one of Divya's predictions. Oh, wait, are we done with talking about JavaScript? I, I, I was, I was, oh, whoa. Well, uh, no, view is also JavaScript. Yeah, sorry, sorry, people. Come on, I'm about. unacceptable. Sorry. sorry, I meant JavaScript features. Okay. To the pedantic people out there. Sorry, sorry. Do you Did have you another, have another one? Well, yeah, all of them. Are you kidding me? Dynamic imports is like a game changer. Like I've been using it for a while, but, um, you know, that that's really exciting. And it's it's just very, it's a nice way to make, um, I think, web more accessible to folks around the world, you know, so we're not like we have an e easier way of, you know, conditionally loading, loading in modules. Um, I think global this is awesome because like it solved a really big pain point around um, which this is this, right, mm -hmm. Kevin? I mean, this like, equals that, right? that equals this. <laughs> right. Self equals which this. this is this. That's a great title for an episode. Right, which this is that exactly, uh, or I don't know, I'm confused. And then pr promise all settled. That's the I think problem. Also, right, exactly. I thought, <laughs> yeah, promise all settled was really dope too. Like, uh, it solves a, another big problem, I think. You know, so does anyone know if that takes care of being able to like ha like having to avoid catching at every level if you have like, you know, if you're using promise dot all, you know how you can't. Oh, I don't know. I think promise dot all rejects if one of the promises is rejected and then promise.all settled will resolve once everything is resolved or rejected. I don't actually know what would happen if like one was resolved and one was rejected. I don't remember what the use, like what would happen. But I do know that it's basically making sure that everything is resolved or rejected. Yeah. Yeah, I don't recall the syntax or the API off, off the top of my head, but it lets you like... It returns this stuff and you can inspect it. I think it gives you back an array. Yeah. And and you look at it and see which one of them was rejected and which was resolved. Yeah, I think you chain like a then. So it's like everything and then do another thing. But I think, yeah, and as you mentioned, it's it's available as an array. So you'd be like then and then you can grab each individual item. I believe that's how it looks. Uh, another one that I haven't messed with, it's kind of intriguing. It's like, well, are these cancelable promises? Like the abort controller stuff? I saw a bit of that with regards to fetch. And, you know, I'm not, I don't use fetch or, you know, I don't do most of my work on the front end. But Node now supports abort controller for certain things. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, how can I use this? Where is it okay to... Can I really cancel a promise with it? Or maybe it needs to be some sort of API that wraps a promise and then I can cancel that. But uh, I think it's going to open up some some more kind of doors for how we do flow control with uh, 
promises and such. Yeah. Chris, can you tell people why why you'd want to abort or cancel a promise since that's maybe not a hot path for well, folks? So example, for example, like, I don't know, just, just the, what, what I would use it for is like, maybe I'm spawning a, I don't know, a worker thread or something. And that worker thread is running a test and, um, I want to stop that test and, and go do something else. Right. Um, so there's several several ways you could do that. Of course, like right now, you could just kill kill your worker thread, but you could also like I don't know. It's just like being able to abort some long running I don't know maybe a threaded task. In uh, front end world, I think a common case is like say you trigger an API call or something based on an interaction, and then they hit cancel or something like that, and you say okay, I don't care about that anymore, or they toggle right. it back or whatever. Like I don't mm-hmm. care about that anymore. Let me just get rid of it and move forward. Definitely. I want to also touch on some, maybe something that wasn't so awesome this year. If uh, I know we've got a lot of awesome and not awesome stuff, so I want to keep it moving just a little bit. But let's talk about something that maybe wasn't so awesome this year. Okay, well, I think you wrote this one down. I did. I put a lot of not awesoms in the doc uh, this bring year. Bring us down, so, Kayvall. You're bringing us down. I know. I know. Um, so... I thought pairing the awesomeness of ES 2020 and JavaScript continuing to move forward, another big area in the web recently has been WebAssembly and Rust and things like that. And while those do continue to move forward, uh, the big layoffs at Mozilla, where they essentially just shut down entire teams that were focused on improving the web platform and improving these other pieces of the web platform, uh, was a very not awesome part of 2020. And I don't necessarily want to go into some of the political questions there because there are some uh, based on what their subsequent revenues were and various other pieces. But I think it is highlighting that we do not necessarily have a robust community-supported ecosystem throughout all of the web. A lot of stuff is owned by large companies, which Mozilla, despite their foundation piece, still is a for-profit company. And kind of is at the whims of their decisions to keep investing or not. They also laid off a bunch of their docs team as well. Yeah, MDM. But it's interesting because like from my understanding, the entire MDM team was fired. And then I think yesterday or something, I just saw a release of their new platform for MDM. So I don't actually know who like took on the project or who started working on it. I'm sure it's there might have been a reshuffling of people who weren't initially on the team moving on, but they did release like a new platform called Yari, I think it's what it's called. So there's like progress happening. It's kind of interesting. It's almost like this, they went backwards and then this progress, like I don't exactly know the politics of that, as you mentioned, K-Ball, but there's probably a lot happening. I thought I read they wanted to make it a, like a wiki and maybe that's what that... Yes, so you can contribute through GitHub now, I think. That's the idea. Like, it's more of an open process than what it was before. So I guess it means that, I mean, I guess the upside is that people can contribute, but the downside is that MDM had very high quality docs because they had a docs team that was writing the docs. And so uh, we'll see what the community contributed docs are like. Right. Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I think some of this is the, 
I agree with you, K-Ball, in terms of the frailty of our systems when they we centralize around large players who provide huge value because they're large and they do that. And then we just kind of allow that to go on or we, we benefit from that. And then when that goes away for whatever reason, then it's like, now what do we do? And I think it's sort of the system working or like the open source community working to see like the WebAssembly team you know, moving and changing and like new players step up and like people that no longer work at Mozilla find work elsewhere and continue to contribute to the things they find interesting. So it's been a step back and a big one. And I think it kind of pulls back the veil of like, like you said, we're not that robust, but then we learn. And I think when we get to the prediction section, you know, I'll talk about this a little bit more, I think, because we start to see like the value in, decentralization and diversity and like bringing more players to the table and not relying so much on the big players. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's tough though. Right. Jared and all like, I feel like that's, um, it's becoming a harder and harder hill. Yeah. Because even like when looking at like new popularized projects these days in the JavaScript community, a lot of them are coming out of the big tech companies. And so, you know, like that comes with its drawbacks. Yeah. And so I don't know. For sure. Yeah. And and it's tough to compete with a project that has like a dedicated team that's being paid full time versus like a community driven project, you know? But hey, View 3 dropped, right? Yeah, it did. Though. It's better. Right. Yeah. When community driven works well, it does have some huge benefits. So I think actually our mm. not awesome, not awesome pair of View 3 and Angular highlights this really well, where View 3 uh, is a community-driven project. They've made great strides in going from a very BDFL single developer focus to having a robust team over the last couple of years. And they dropped a new major version with some big improvements that we can get into. Contrast that to Angular, which is one of these massive megacorp-backed frameworks where there was a lot of drama and thrash going on around their core team. And it really feels like that framework which has been one of the kind of big three for a few years, is falling further and further behind the cutting edge. And they're just, it's struggling. And I think it's because it's megacorp backed and it's not a priority for the megacorp anymore. And there's a lot of thrash going on. Interesting cultural anthropology study right there. (laughs) (laughs) Megacorp versus community. Who's going to win? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd click on that. So. Yeah. It's a lot harder to get it going in the community side, right? Like that's so much work and it's so hard and it's so much like non-technical right. work to keep pushing and maintaining and like building all the, the community pieces and relationship pieces and all of that. But when it works, I think it creates a much more robust outcome than like it's the whole like, monoculture versus diverse setup. Like a monoculture is easy to stand up and get going. It's very efficient in some ways. It's just very fragile as well. Definitely. I think that warrants an entire conversation in and of itself. But um, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get a little happier and we're going to talk about something really awesome that happened in 2020, which was Vue 3. No promises on the happy part, though. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'll reject your promises. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, well, good one. We'll all settle it. for Emma. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's end this. Can we stop chaining? Just kidding. <laughs> Can we cancel that promise? Or that's not supported on JS Party? <laughs> 
This has been some non-optional chaining. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. All right, done. Cut it. Hey there, party animals. Jared here. I want to take a moment to tell you about ChangeLog++. It's our membership program where you can directly support JS Party and all of the podcasts we create here at ChangeLog. Ditch the ads, get closer to the metal, and enjoy supporting JS Party into the future. Once again, that's changelog.com slash plus plus. We'd love to have you with us. So before the break, I kind of mentioned that we would touch on Vue 3 a little bit. I don't want to go too in-depth here because we actually have two episodes we've already published on Vue. So we'll link those in the show notes for you to check out. But should we just very quickly mention just a few features of Vue 3 that were really great in 2020? Go Divya. TypeScript, Reactivity, Composition API. Those are the main three that I was excited about personally. Because that was like really nice. Are you still deep in the view stuff, Divya? Are you working on? Uh... I'm not. I actually write a lot of React now. Sad. <laughs> sad. Sad. Me face. too, and I'm sad. I miss it's fine. it. Fine. I already tweeted my annoyance many times. <laughs> Another thing I haven't had the opportunity to play with very much, but I was really excited to see is that they made it possible to really uh, import the reactivity. Mm-hmm piece of view as a standalone module so you can actually play with things doing reactivity without pulling in the whole framework it opens a lot of cool possibilities for creating reactive code that is not tied into the ui framework that's interesting what module is that do you know offhand i don't offhand <laughs> but i can look into it if you want let me see is it like Let me a Google that for you observable type thing or how does it feel to use it outside of the context of view. I have not gotten the chance to play with it very much yet. I would imagine it actually feels a lot more like views reactivity than observable. I think you can just, yeah, it's sort of view like, um, but you would just import it. So you would just import that particular component, which I, I don't actually know if it's a standalone thing. If you just import it from the CDN, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think you can import, it looks like view slash reactivity like there is a package oh, like that package oh, then i'm seeing yeah, import reactive from view in this documentation yeah exactly so. that's usually what you would you just like extract that but i'm sure there's a way for you to just use it like if you were to just use yeah but yeah that is really nice yeah so if y'all want to learn more about view we've got a couple episodes we'll link them down but we want to focus on a, a, some other best and worst moments in web dev but not just in web dev i think as an industry or like as a human population, I guess. <laughs> because yes. for me, like I actually didn't do any conferences this year. I did one before like COVID got bad and there was quarantine, like it was in February. That was in person. I didn't do any virtual conferences, but they were rampant, which is good and bad. I think that they are I'd like to see the good in it, right? Because it makes them accessible to more people and it allows us to have more diverse speakers when we, you know, we don't have to factor in visas and travel and things of that nature. But I don't know. How do y'all feel about virtual conferences? Did you do any this year? I think the time zones were a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Really? 
that was the hardest because I love the pro upside of anyone or any, from anywhere could participate as a speaker or as an attendee. And there was a lot more intention, at least after the initial like lockdown and stuff into how do we make conferences more interactive? Because I think in the past it was just like, let's make speakers record video and throw it on YouTube and then have people watch it. And it was horrible. Um, but I think the time zones was really hard to work with because now you would, if you're speaking at a conference in Europe, you're basically accommodating for EU time, which is, you know, I guess from where I am, it's six hours ahead, at least British standard time, that is. And so that would be horrible because sometimes you'd be like, I have to give a talk at 4 a.m. my time because it's it's regular time wherever the conference is happening. And that was the hardest part. I think I was part of a conference that was happening in Australia which is almost day and night, basically. And my talk started at, it was supposed to start at about like 11.30 p.m. And it ended up starting at about 1 a.m. And I told the organizer that I'm, I cannot stay up for it um, because like I recorded it. And the point was that you, as a speaker, you would participate in the chat, talk to people and like be interactive but I was like it's 1 a.m and I am a zombie right now I basically start fading at nine so I was like one is just way like it would ruin my work day which honestly like is the worst part of it because when you're at a conference you are also taking time off from work and I found the weirdness of like now it's virtual so am I actually taking time off work so I wouldn't take time off work and I would watch events or participate in between my breaks and it just and I'm at a point where I'm not doing it anymore just because it doesn't work for my personality and my work-life balance. But that's been my experience in general. I know people who really enjoy it and have been um, really happy because they are able to keep their home life and keep in touch with family while also participating with the wider community. Yeah, I did a virtual conference. I did uh, OpenJS World, a couple things there. I guess I kind of felt like it wasn't really worth it like just you know there's all that kind of stress of okay i gotta get my slide deck together i gotta practice my thing for this one i did have to do a recording and i'm, I'm not like set up to you know i don't ever do that and so that was difficult to like okay where do i put my webcam like i mean my where do I like I I put my laptop on a bucket like it's just like what what am I doing and it's just like a lot of stress just in the payoff was not awesome because I go on there I try to do a workshop right and I'm just talking like I'm not getting any feedback from anybody I can't look and see how everybody's doing you know I'm taking a pause I'm not sure like you know how long I should really wait you know, hey, people doing this workshop do this thing, and I have no feedback. And so it's just like, you know what, I don't, I can't imagine, like, with, like, unless we all have some, like, VR second life thing going on, like, it's not, the tech we have is not going to make this much better. And so for me, it's just, I'm not really interested in a virtual conference doing that again. And yeah, the time zone thing sucks. Yeah, I have to plus one on like Chris, like for it's been way more work as a speaker because you have to get your stuff 
done in way in advance, which isn't even conducive to how most people work. I don't know how many speakers y'all know, but <laughs> like, like on the flight. Yeah. But then on the flight, whatever, like right before the hallway, like you're still editing and, you know, so you don't get to like riff on your talk in the way that you would normally. You don't get to really connect with the audience and you don't get the energy boost. So like all of the rewards of doing a talk aren't there as much, you know, so you just have more work as a speaker and then you don't have the the feedback reward as much. Um, the, 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 the conferences I've seen go off really well are actually the ones on Twitch. So I, I participated... Um, yeah, the uh, progress is dev reach. I was on Twitch and I did a session with them, and I thought that was like so much better than like pre-recording or this or that because it's just like this live. It's a format that just lends itself to like people chiming in and having a lot of chatter. It's all live and it's as close as you can get to like an in-person conference, you know. But this kind of like I'm gonna you know play an eight-hour video track and like hope that people around the world are tuning in. You know, it's just less appealing for me personally, because it's for me, like I, I just am at the point where for me, conferences are more about the hallway track and I content from conferences is like a thing that I do at home. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'll watch a talk at home alone, like where I'm able to like digest it and take notes and, you know, increase the speed, increase the speed, <laughs> repeat, like, you know, like zoom into slides. But I really think that it's opened up the world of conferences to so many more people. And and I do hope that like parts of that are here to stay. Like, you know, I think there's like a huge accessibility element that's been very exciting to see. Yeah. But if your first experience of a conference is a virtual conference, don't think that you're experiencing the same thing. Correct. It's not the same. It's not. Uh, you don't and get there's to see value cable. in it. You don't see Cable shake his hips, which by the way, we that's should right. totally link in the show notes. We're going to find that tweet. <laughs> Cable, oh you have my. like jelly hips. It's amazing. The hallway track with <laughs> reggaeton. Yeah. Um, yes. I approve. All right, y'all. Cable's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, like all what right. did I Next, just, yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. Next time we have an in-person conference, y'all can, we'll, we'll dance. We'll dance. It's good. But yeah, I think one thing that's interesting here is kind of tying into one of the bigger themes of 2020 of all these different things going virtual, you had folks saying, Hey, we're never going to go back. We're, you know, this is the new future. Mm-hmm. And that to me is totally wrong. What we have seen is that there's a lot of things that can go well virtually and we can be taking a lot more advantage of those things, but they are not the same as the in-person things, right? Like many, many more people can be working from home much more of the time than generally was thought possible. And it is not at all the same as going into an office. And many, many, many people, myself included, miss that. Similarly, virtual conferences open up a set of things to many more people and they have a lot of value. And they're not the same thing as in-person conferences. I mean, I go to an in-person conference to escape from my day-to-day life and think differently. I don't know about you all, but I'm already on Zoom all day, every day. Like, I don't need to do that more on a conference. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think 2022 is going to be a banner year for in-person events. We're going to have so much of that blowing back from this. Um, I hope we're able to keep a little bit more of the virtual things as an option because I think it does mm-hmm. open new possibilities. It does open accessibility things. I think it it does create new and different events. And some of the virtual conferences that I think have done the best are those who have really thought about like, how do we recreate some of what's good about a conference in a virtual context, not just take what we were doing in person and shift it online. But gosh, like, no, (laughs) they're they're not replacing 
in-person mm-hmm. conferences. Yeah, totally agreed. Well, speaking of shifting virtually, I think it warrants a quick conversation about the scaling of remote work because that entire paradigm shift took a few months for many companies to be onboarded to. It's funny because I was working on GoToMeeting when all of this happened. So ironically, I was actually building a tool that became necessary to people, but I also already knew how to work remotely, but many people didn't. And I'm curious how your remote working experiences went in 2020. I've always been working remotely. Same. So it was weird because nothing changed, but things changed. Nothing changed, meaning you were still doing the same thing, but I realized I would be inside because you're stuck indoors like everyone's was in lockdown earlier in the year and like probably again later in the year and probably again now you're not going outside so I just noticed that I'm on my laptop all the time which is something I was doing before but now it's actually mac it's it's like increased like tenfold because previously I like like cable was mentioning a lot of my hobbies involve like leaving so I'd go for a bike ride or go climbing <laughs> and it would be basically you're off screen completely. You're like, I am not available. Um, and now because you're stuck at home, what else do you do? You're like on your laptop. Sometimes you're like on a screen, whether that be your TV, you're playing a video game, you're watching a movie, whatever. So it's just constantly screen to screen. That is dizzying. Some people have been very like concerned because I would notice that I wouldn't go outside for like four days and forget. Like I would just forget to go outside. Um, because as especially as the weather gets colder, the light, like I don't want to go outside. And so I'd just be indoors the whole time. And that's just very scary. Yeah, that's <laughs> happened to me. My husband's reminded me like, oh, you realize you haven't left the house in like four days, right? I'm like, wait, what? Really? Yeah, no, it's like, because uh, you're trying to stay indoors more often. And then you times that with remote work. Yeah. Well, imagine like, well, I live alone, but not only that, I moved countries and had to onboard remotely alone. And that's rough. Onboarding remotely is tough. It's hard Mm -hmm. to make bonds with your teammates. And I cried a lot. Um, I still cry a lot. Let's be honest. Nothing wrong with crying for what it's worth. I do think that Spotify in particular handled remote onboarding incredibly. And I I actually, well, I'm not trying to plug my own thing. I just don't want to uh, monopolize the whole conversation because we have a lot to discuss. But I wrote a post on why they did remote onboarding so well. And it was all about forging human connection remotely, which I think this goes back to the conference thing where, you know, conferences superficially might think that, oh, it's the tech content that's most important. We can just throw it online, not a big deal. But realistically, many people need the human aspect out of conferences. And how do we simulate that in a virtual environment? It's the same with onboarding. How do you get up to speed all remotely? And uh, yeah, that was tough. Link that up so we can read it. Yeah, yeah, I will. What's uh, different for me so yeah, I've been working remotely for probably the better part of a decade, and so I'm I'm used to that. But when I would do that before, the kids would go to school, my wife would go to work, and I'd be here by myself. And that's a whole world of difference from where we're at now, where everybody's here. And preach. So there's you know there's more disruptions. You know, just I really value my solitude and it's uh, there are always people here and so you know 
that's like one experience that a lot of people have. And of course, the other other experiences that you may be by yourself and completely isolated. And yeah, that sucks too. Right. So it's uh, nobody's having fun. Well, I think one thing that's been interesting to watch at my company. So I've I've worked on and off remotely for also close to a decade, sometimes remote, sometimes in person. Um, I had actually relatively recently gone back to being in person when this all hit. So like I had been working at a new company for five months that was in person, really enjoying that. And then we all shifted remote. And so in some ways I personally was better prepared for that than most of the folks at the company. But one of the things that I saw that was really challenging was similar to what we're talking about with conferences, like trying to take the things that were happening in person and just shift them online. And in the particular case here, that refers to meetings, lots and lots and lots of meetings. And you know, I think a remote first culture that is built from the ground up often will put a lot of you know, asynchronous and textual decision-making processes in place. And you'll have ways to collaborate and coordinate that are based on asynchronous technologies and, and things around that. And in a company that's set up to make decisions synchronously, because that's how they've always done it and it's done in meetings, like that's translated to, once again, like the wall of Zoom, where you're just in Zoom calls all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say there's a lot of growing up companies need to do, um, because quite frankly, like, I think working synchronously is very expensive, like regardless of whether you're in the office or not, right? Like like the, the point that you're making, K-Ball, of like people working more efficiently, you know, pushing more things into kind of like async communication, kind of inner sourcing their culture. It's like necessary to scale, like, you know, because you're not going to get more hours in the day, you know, and you can't keep hiring more people and having them work at like... 60% efficiency level, right? Because you know what I mean? So, so yeah, like major plus one on that. I think a rework is actually, I have it right here for folks on the live stream. I'll like, like I'm started reading this book and, you know, other like books about remote work as well. Like, well, I would say working more efficiently as a technical organization. Remote is one of them. Same author, kind of the like Jason uh, Freed. Yeah, DHH, like base camp nerds. And and then Accelerate is another one. But I don't know. Yeah. I think they go super hard. They go like the total opposite. Yeah. So they're like, you don't even need to be in person. You can do everything virtually. I think they've been on the remote train for years. I don't actually know if Basecamp started remote, but I do know that it quickly went remote if it didn't. I think it did start remotely, but... I mean, I do like those books. Also, it doesn't have to be crazy at work is another one. But I did find some of their mentality problematic to a certain extent because like they had talked about how, yeah, we're fully remote, which means people don't like we don't expect people to be online or all the time. But like there was a little contradictory in their Yeah. In their uh, mentality of like, okay, well, people can kind of come and go as they please. But also you have to tell us where you are at all times if you leave. And I was kind of like, okay, but which is it? Like that doesn't sound super healthy. I think good communication is important. But if you're mandating people to like, let you know where they are every minute of every day, that's mentally taxing. I think it's also worth mentioning that 
there's a pro to just like being able to work anywhere because it also means you can hire from anywhere. But there's also this conversation that we see happening, which is the pay scales are changing. And so a lot mm. of people are like, well, if you live in this particular place, like if you live in Iowa versus San Francisco, we're going to pay you less because living in Iowa is cheaper than living in San Francisco. And there's a lot of like weirdness around salary bands as well as moving. So if you lived in Iowa, you started a job or you got promoted there and then you moved to New York, let's say, which is more expensive, your salary will not be like, will, will not change. Like you'll still be at the rate that you were at where you started or where your salary was kind of uh, negotiated. And I think that makes it really difficult now because you're almost now, there's a nicety where you can work from anywhere, but you're sort of stuck in a way. So you're like, you're working from this place that is cheaper, let's say. And if you want to move to somewhere more expensive, it's really difficult. I mean, obviously the reverse, like I've not actually heard companies that have gone down the pay scale. I know there are some that do that. But I think the more common scenario is that they won't upgrade you if you do move. Like if you're like the company's based in San Francisco, you decide to move to San Francisco from a cheaper place, they won't change your salary, which I think really sucks. Yeah. How about paying people based on the value they bring and not the location? Exactly. That too. Yep. That too. That seems like a much healthier way of doing it. What's interesting about the whole salary bands thing is... I totally spaced out and forgot, actually. Um, so I think I was really distracted by Emma's cat. Uh, so I'm going to just Which retract. is a great plug to say. And with that, let's break. Yeah, if you're not watching the live stream, we live stream on YouTube. And yeah. with that, I think, yeah, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap things up, hopefully on a lighter note. Okay, so it was a little bit somber, the last segment, which I think to be fair, I'm glad we discussed it because I don't think it's fair to just say everything was great and shiny in 2020. I think it's important to acknowledge that things weren't. Uh, But let's look forward now. It's 2021. Let's talk about a few of our resolutions and wishes. I'm going to give it to K-Ball first. And what are your resolutions this year, K-Ball? Ooh, well... So I mentioned COVID killed all my hobbies. So I created a new hobby for myself, which I've been focusing on fitness and figuring out, learning a whole lot about my body and how I can change things about my diet and how that impacts different things and different types of exercise and whatever. And part of that has me reviving long neglected ideas about, you know, learning to do more gymnastics and be able to do handsprings and things like that. But those aren't going to happen until I can have a teacher Mm -hmm. focusing on what I can have under my control during COVID times, my goal for this year is I'm going to get to 10 handstand push-ups by the end of the year. I've been working for it. I can get like nice. two right now. Handstand push-ups are hard. Those are so hard. They're so hard. I can't even do a handstand. Are you doing it against the wall? So right now for training, yes. I'm also okay. practicing doing standalone handstands, but I can't okay. do both at the same time right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But goal for end of the year, 10 knockwood freestanding handstand push-ups in a set. Uh so part of this is, you know, my ever increasing desire to be able to do weird, crazy physical things. So, you know, being able to add some handsprings and like 
breakdancing things to my dancing repertoire <laughs> would be cool. <laughs> I knew I knew this was to feed to, some alter it's motive. All going back yeah. to the salsa. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but yeah. in the Amazing. in the right now, I'm focused on the sort of body control fitness piece of it, and it's setting me up for wanting to do. You know, once once again, when we come out of COVID, when I'm able to go do classes and things like that, wanting to go to some gymnastics classes and things around that. Awesome. Also, real goal, like if it's safe, I'm going to be traveling. I miss it so, 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 so much. And mm-hmm. as soon as we're safe, I want to book a trip. Where are you going? Where's your top place? Oh, God. It depends. <laughs> Sweden. Come to Sweden. Sweden sounds great. Um, we have a Hawaii no, no. trip that we want to do. We wanted to go to Mexico <laughs> last summer sounds and great, that but... got canceled. Um, I want to go back to Colombia. We were going to go for nice. JSConf Colombia again this year and mm. that, or NodeConf Colombia again this year, and that didn't happen. So, so many places, but it's got to be safe first. Definitely. Yeah, I one of mine is to see my family because I haven't seen them in like a year and a half. And I was supposed to go in January, which obviously got canceled. So hopefully by like June, I can go see them. But it will be two years, which is super sad for me. And as a result, most of my resolutions are taking care of my mental health and not overcommitting because I do this, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm just sitting around all day. I will say yes to basically everything. And then I get overwhelmed and burn out. So that's um, I need to work on that. But in terms of tech, um, I really want to get more into animations and CSS. I've been playing around with frame or motion. Um, yeah, I, and I love CSS. I'm doing a workshop next year with Friend and Masters on CSS, and I'm very much looking forward to learning more about that. So, Are you planning on trying GSAP as well? I don't know. I know that like Sarah Drasner has a course on it, and I've been meaning to take it. I kind of want to try all the different libraries. Like I've worked mm. a lot with React Spring. I know mm-hmm. I'm getting into Framer Motion. I would love to discuss or discuss. I'd like to get into GSAP, <laughs> Green, GreenSock Animation Library um, for those who don't know what that is. Yeah, I would love to look at all of them. That would be a fun episode to record, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, Divya, what are you? What are your resolutions for this year? I'm trying not to put too many resolutions because I have this thing about setting so many resolutions for myself and never following through. My resolution this year was resilience, which I actually think I practiced a lot of considering this year has been tumultuous. There was a lot of resilience necessary. Am I good at it? Probably not. I've developed like other things that are not necessarily related. But anyway, similar to K-Ball, I've picked up a lot of hobbies <laughs> because I can't go anywhere, <laughs> which has resulted in a lack of a complete lack of focus. I don't know if this is a bad thing or a good thing. I've heard people say it's not a bad thing. I personally think it's not not a good thing. <laughs> Pers- I don't know. Uh, double negative. Uh, because I have been doing so much and I'm bad at so much. <laughs> and so I'm trying to be like more focused in terms of what exactly I'm working on. One of that is like hobbies. Do I want to focus on one particular hobby? Because previously I was climbing and that was like my one hobby and I put in a lot of time into it. I can't do that as much anymore. I'm also not surrounded by mountains, which sucks. So I can't go out as much. So my hobbies have included electronics, like music stuff, weird animation things, pixel art, like just like everything under the sun that you could do indoors. And so I think my goal is just to focus on one thing, just to be like, this is the thing you're going to do. And it's not to say that I can't, I have to do it for the entire year, but it's just focusing on it for like, for a month, for one month, I'm going to just do this one thing. And then it might give me a bit more clarity uh, rather than feeling frazzled. That's sort of my goal. Um, And it's the same with programming languages, because currently I am 
learning Go and Rust at the same time. And it's been great. And it's more for work because I work in a role now where I'm writing JavaScript, Ruby, and Go simultaneously, which has been a hoot, as well as Rust. There's some Rust as well. So it's just been, it's been a mess. My writing languages has, been, has suffered as a result. But yeah, that is my goal. I love that, though. I love that you have one word to define your actions for the year. I think that's really a good mentality to have because then you're never disappointed if you don't achieve tangible things. It's, yeah, that's healthy. What about you, Amal? What are some of yours? I want to hear from Chris first. Can we hear from Chris? <laughs> really? Yeah, really. really. I want to claw my way out of the abyss of disillusionment and alienation and also... I'd like to learn how to draw. <laughs> uh, awesome. I love it. That's oh, so Chris, good. I love you. You're amazing. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, oh, that's a tough, tough act to follow. Um, yeah. Why do you want to go after Chris? Should have gone first. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know because I'm like, I, quite frankly, it was out of my own sheer morbid curiosity and amusement <laughs> that I was like, just really interested to know what Chris's resolutions are. I find Chris to be a deeply fascinating person, so. That's where that's coming from. Yeah, I think for me, more art, more nature, mm -hmm. less tech. That's kind of like, you know, so I want to just spend time doing more creative things. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Was that the reggaeton oh. from your... Yeah, I, my computer just played it out loud, and I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. For those of you wondering what that noise was, I don't know if you can hear it, but I finally found that tweet. There's a tweet of Lady Leet, um taking a video of K-Ball dancing at All Things Open last year. Just well, to be clear, she was taking videos of everybody dancing. So like, oh, right, right, right. That's this true. was not just like me being out there. <laughs> yeah. It was prompted. He was prompted. But I it's was okay. Yeah, she was going around getting everybody to dance, which is great. I fully support it. Yeah, I do remember that. She tried Clearly. to get me to dance, and I was like, hells, no, I'm not dancing. Like, <laughs> definitely not. You know, um, anyways, uh, but uh, yeah, more art, more creative stuff, more nature. I'm, I'm moving out to the country side, like, and uh, yeah, just to kind of reconnect with nature. I feel like being a technologist, there's just, just too much tech in my life. My husband is an engineer. I, I have like two jobs. I have like a real job that I get paid for. And then I have like another less real job that's like community stuff or podcasting or whatever, right? And there's just a lot of tech in my life. And um, I think I do best when I have things in moderation. And I realized like for the past few years, I'm like growing really strong muscles in some areas and I'm like losing it in other areas, you know, because my life is just, it's just too much tech. So I need to diversify my portfolio and uh, art and nature are like the best ways in order to do that. And like, you know, just on projects that are in involve, um, you know, maybe involve technology in a creative way. Like, for example, like my husband and I are going to build like a automated watering system for our plants using like raspberry pies, you know, but that that's, you know, that's like using technology in a creative way. Like mm -hmm. I've been wanting to build a little LED screen for myself because I'm always like one minute late to meetings. And so I wanted to ha have like a Google calendar thing that hooks in to um, not just Google calendar, Google, any calendar. Like I want a visual, visual feedback and with, and with dots, you know, it's so like, I know how much time I have until my next call and I know when I'm late to things. And so it just, it just helps to have that. So I've been wanting to like do some hardware hacking and then I need like more friends that are not technologists. So I'm really excited. I'm moving out to a city that only has 7,500 people. 
And I've only lived in cities that are extremely dense. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm going to make lots of different friends. I'm excited about like making older friends and like friends who don't know what JavaScript is. And like, you know, so uh, it'll be good. So I think you'll love it. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm excited. So, yeah, it's been a very tough year. So anything to bring back. Some you gotta treat yourself. Joy. Yeah, treat you treat yourself, right? That's what, I'm gonna do that. Where's your soundboard, Jared? I don't have that one. I need to go grab that sound. Just slacking, that. man. Yeah. I'll splice You're it done. in right here. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. Yeah, NBC might send you a bill, but. <laughs> Doesn't it have to be like a few seconds? Like if it's a but if it's below a couple of seconds, you. If anyone sent us a bill, on. it's Bette Midler for last week's uh, remake oh. of <laughs> The Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> that, that was, was amazing. amazing. That was amazing. But I don't think we're on oh, NBC's gosh. radar just yet. Yeah. Well, Jared, I think you're last. What are your resolutions <sighs> for this year? Well, I generally resolve to not have a resolution because I'm kind of a. A curmudgeon like that but my wife and I do do the one word a year kind of a thing we've been doing that for a few years her idea loved it have been doing it and so I haven't picked my word just yet for 2021 my word for this year was finish because I had a lot of at the end of last year I had a lot of things that were started but I wasn't good at finishing them and I've actually done all right with that because I've had more time to finish things I had to tell myself not to start anything new because it's so easy to start something new. And I almost started something new this year, but uh, it kind of failed fast. So I didn't start it, which is good. But yeah, I felt pretty good about finish. I've, I finished this playhouse. I had been telling the kids I was going to build for a long time. We're finishing our basement right now and generally didn't start anything new. So I feel like I've somewhat accomplished that. Don't feel terrible about it. I'm actually in the same category as a Mel. I'm thinking my, I'm workshopping the word analog for 2021 Mm, like nice like get off the digital get onto the analog Mm -hmm. and just focus on that because just like you all feel so much of my life has been digital this year and the things that i've really have enjoyed like building that playhouse outside like hammering something into Mm -hmm. wood you know and just like being Mm -hmm. in the analog space and really enjoying that was one of the highlights of the year so more like that and less like this. No offense. I yeah. love all y'all, but Zoom calls, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Lots of those and more of the real world. So I'm thinking about that. I have a few other things that I'm thinking of, um, but that's where I'm, I stand as of now. From change log to analog. Mm. New podcast. New sounds podcast, like, yeah. sounds like Sounds like a bas- backstage episode. That sounds like a good happen. digital yeah. product we could put out. Yeah. <laughs> change log to analog. Oh, my God. So there you go. Jared, I have to say there is something really magical about just being in the moment. And I think like being in the moment without any digital stuff connected, right? Like I just think like we spend so much of our lives these days like connected to something, mm-hmm. you know? So I almost wonder if like a analog free weekend or analog free day is going to be oh, a norm yeah. Time in, in the future. It. You know? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like when you leave the house and you left your phone sitting on the desk or something yeah. and you're like you're like driving away from the house and you're like fr- you freak out like <gasps> I'm disconnected and I then never like, freak out when I then you the decide phone. okay so yeah, I'm, same, I'm, I'm projecting but then Unless you decide you know what I'm just gonna leave case. it I'm just gonna leave it and yeah. then all of a sudden life is almost feels like a little bit better you're like you know what it's no big deal 
You just can't reach me right now. It's kind of nice. So and then some people who need to reach you get annoyed. Yes. And then that there's happens. Like a fire like, and, and family just, and is like, why it. didn't you pick up? I'm like, I was doing things. They're like, I needed to talk to you. <laughs> About what? I had a exactly. question that didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like family needs to meet Divya Bot. <laughs> Divya. Oh. There's a digital Div- good you can create. Divya Bot <laughs> does not answer. <laughs> That's the best kind of bot. No code. It's a no code bot. <laughs> no op. Yeah. No, no op bots. I, even I can write that. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. Even Jared can do it. That's right. So, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. All righty. Well, well, I think this was a successful first episode of 2021. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. Hopefully this year is good. We've just got to believe that it will be. Yes. To a less depressing year. Cheers to a less depressing year. Cheers. We are giving away two free tickets to the Test JS Summit on January 28th and 29th. All you have to do to get in on that action is follow us on Twitter. We are at JS Party FM and we'll make an announcement real soon. Follow us now so you don't miss it. That's JS Party FM. This episode was hosted by Emma Boschin. It was produced by Jared Santo. Hey, that's me. And our beats are provided by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. JS Party is brought to you by awesome people at Companies Who Get It. Thanks to Fastly, Linode, and LaunchDarkly for their support. And thank you for listening. On the next episode, Jason Miller of Preact fame joined Nick and I to discuss the super cool new open source tool that he and the team have been working on. Stay tuned for that one next week.